welcome to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. Our mission is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus. One of the ways we do that is through the preaching of God's Word, centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's this week's message. Right. Good morning, everyone. Good gracious, y'all packed this place out, man. Uh, man, if you're new here, if it's your first time, uh, and my name's Buck, and I had the privilege of serving as the lead pastor here. I was sitting there, and I was thinking about it. I'm like, man, if I was a first-timer, I'd be thinking, is this some sort of weird underground church? Are we... Like something up under the radar, what are we doing in here? Uh, no, but man, I, I pray you've enjoyed it. I pray uh, you felt welcome. Uh, as we said again, typically we meet over in the theater, uh, but this is our last week in the Ice House. But man, I don't know about y'all, but sometimes it feels kind of good to strip everything back and just worship, right? Uh, we have a lot of weapons for God to do uh, some great things. When we have his word open, we have people singing the King Jesus, Right? All right, well today, man, go ahead and open up your Bibles. We're going to be in 1 John chapter 5. If you haven't been with us, uh, we've been studying this book line by line uh, for really 10 weeks, I think. Uh, so today is the day. Today we, we finish off uh, the series. And so uh, I'm excited for that. really feel like it's been really clear of what God wants us to see today. And so as you're flipping there, I just want to pray over uh, this time and pray that God would move mightily in our midst. Let's pray. Uh, Father, I, I love you, man. I, I'm so excited uh, for today. God, I believe you have uh, great things for us in this service. God, I thank you for what you've been doing all week. Um, I thank you that today is an overflow of worship, Lord. Uh, thank you that your worship isn't confined to an hour on Sunday, but God, it's something we can wake up to every day. Uh, so God, we thank you for what you're doing. And I do ask, Lord, that you would help me uh, as I preach this message. I pray uh, it would go forth uh, in spirit and in truth, and God, that you would have your way. Uh, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, let's read, uh, start in verse 13. This is what God's word says. Um, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence uh, we have in approaching God, that if we ask, take this with you, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that he hears us whatever we ask. We know that we have what we asked of him. If you see any brother or sister commit a sin that does not lead to death, you should what? Pray, and God will give them life. Refer to the, I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I'm not, writing, I'm not saying that. You should pray about that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that, that does not lead to death. We know that anyone born of God does not what continue to sin. The one who is born of God keeps them, from, uh, keeps them safe, and the evil one cannot harm them. We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true. By being in his son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. Okay, so as we finish this letter, man, I really feel like this week it's been super, super clear. And so I want to start out with a couple stories of just some things that have, uh, we've really encountered this week. And really, I believe the message today is to give you three important truths about the power of prayer. Is anyone, can anyone testify to the power of prayer in your life that it's the real thing? You know, this week we've had some couples and some folks in our church uh, that have been struggling with a lot of fear and anxiety, worry. 
Uh, we, we've had some, some, uh, some physical issues that we've come together and prayed for, and we've seen God provide breakthrough in that, break, breakthrough in that. But today, I also want to celebrate with you, through the power of prayer, we've had a young lady that has said yes to Jesus Christ, and she's going to be baptized right here in the back of the ice house. And so I say that to say, I just want to share uh, a quick uh, message. And, and man, it, it, like I said, uh, it's been a difficult week in some ways of praying for some people very close to me in our church, uh, praying for breakthrough, praying for God to provide peace in the midst of a lot of worry, fear, those sorts of things. But I want to read you this message I got on Thursday. And this is the mother of the young lady being baptized. She said, I've been praying over her specifically for the last three or four months, and she's asked questions about salvation. Last night, she was sitting on the couch alone, and I could see her from the kitchen. She put her head under the covers for a minute or so and popped her head out and said, Mama, I felt God. I asked him if it was time, and he answered me, Mama. He said yes. So right there, I walked through it all, and I walked through it all and prayed with her. And once again, the immediate joy that filled her soul is unexplainable and uncontainable. Still in awe of his timing and goodness and how perfect they describe Jesus when they encounter him, even as children. And what we see, I think what's seasoned in that is her talking about months of prayer over her child, asking specifically, God, would you move in the life of my child so that she may come to know you? Right? And we see the, the power of that. And as I've been thinking about prayer this week, I think about that story. And yesterday, uh, I performed a ceremony, a wedding, uh, a sweet ceremony of God doing a great thing in a couple in our church. Both of them uh, just recently had come to faith in Jesus and, and decided to get married. And, and I'll never forget this right here. I've never had a groom say, hey, pastor, can I say something for a second? And he stopped me. And he said, I want everyone to know, I want to read a passage to you. And what he read was James 5, 16, and it says that the prayers of the righteous are powerful and effective. And he said, many of you know my story, and I want you to know Jesus. And he said, I'll tell you what Jesus did for me through the power of prayer. He said, he turned my darkness to light. And I say that to say, I've seen this throughout my life. And I've seen it throughout our time here in this church of the power of prayer. So what I want to tell you today, what I want to give you, what I believe God wants us to see in 1 John is this power is yours in Jesus' name. Right, this is something that we don't have to hear superhero stories of others, but right now today, God moves powerfully through prayer. So if you're taking notes, I want to give you three truths. And the first one comes out of verses 13, 14, 15. This is what God's word says. It says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. So uh, if you're interested, if you're new here, this is the purpose of the whole letter. While we studied it, he said he's writing to a group of young Christians and he said, I want you to have confidence that you know Jesus and have eternal life. We live in a place where I believe this is a very, very uh, important topic to talk about. So really the whole series has been about that, and the rest of the letter is really uh, what we're talking about today is an overview of the truths we've learned. But the one thing that I feel like we have not highlighted is prayer. So verse 14, it says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. And if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, Whatever we ask, we know that we have what we've asked of him. The first thing I want you to, to take with you today, 
Prayer begins with understanding the will of God. Prayer begins with understanding God's will. And it's something that it says that if we know we know Jesus, we can come to God with confidence and know that he hears us. And something that struck me this week, man, how many times do I go to God and I just lift up prayer without thinking about the fact that God's hearing what I'm saying? Does anybody struggle with that? You kind of give these generic prayers like, God, bless my food, bless my, bless my home, bless my family. And Lord, you know, just help get me to work, help me to, not, uh, to be nice to everyone and get home, right? And we kind of can go through the motions of praying. But think about the most powerful man on the planet. If you knew you could call that person up and get any resources you need to get done what you need to get done, it would change how you talked on that phone, Right? And so in the same way, if we know Christ, we can approach God with confidence. And so in understanding God and understanding the power of prayer, uh, it first starts with understanding God's will. And I want to share with you that we know from his word the purposes of God, the promises of God, and also uh, we, we know the plans of God for our life, right? And so let's start out with looking, how do I pray? Well, number one, I want to show you the purposes of God. Habakkuk 2.14 tells us this. It says that, that for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the water covers the sea. Now, many times in prayer, we're praying about the unrevealed will of God. That's what job we should take. What, what, what house we should buy, uh, how we should spend money this Christmas, whatever that may be, a lot of times we pray about the unrevealed will of God. And there's nothing wrong with that. God cares about everything you tell him. But first, I want you to know, we need to understand the revealed will of God and what he's doing in the earth, okay? And so all the way back in Genesis 1, what God did is he told Adam and Eve, he said, hey, I want you guys to be fruitful, to multiply, and I want you to fill the earth. That that is the set purpose of God is that we would know him He created us uh, for him to know us, us to know him in relationship, and he wanted us to fill the whole earth because what he wanted is worshipers that know him all over the world. That was the purpose for which he created us. And so we see, and we've talked about it many times, that sin fractured this good design. And now uh, what we have is as we preach the gospel, uh, it's people that have been broken away from the knowledge of God because of sin. And when people come to faith in Jesus, they've been reconnected to God. And what God gave the church to do is to preach the good news of Jesus through the preaching of God's word to make disciples so that we may know him, not just for this life, but the good news is we can know him for all eternity. And Revelation 7, 9 gives us a picture of the end of the story that we're playing into, okay? Revelation 7, 9, it tells us after this, this is heaven, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. From what every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. What God's saying, what He's accomplishing, is He is spreading the knowledge of Him through the church to every tribe, language, and tongue everywhere. And listen, you and I are caught up in the middle of this story. This is what is going on right now. And so as we pray, understand what God is wanting to do, right? That we have to know the will of God so that we can participate in what God's doing in the world. But to understand the will of God, we have to begin to learn 
the Word of God, right? To begin to learn God and who He is. Man, I think back, um, back when I was in college, you know, I dated Carly. Uh, I was in Statesboro. She was in Valdosta. Anybody ever tried to do the long distance thing? It's terrible. It just is, right? Especially as college students. And so, um, you know, when, when I began to know her, I remember those long conversations at night. Um, I, I enjoyed them, at least in the early going. And, and then sometimes she'd get a little long-winded. Um, I love you. I still, I, I love you. Anyway, we, we, uh, we had some Halo softball to play. But anyway, so, but, but for us to get to know each other, to know our intentions and will, we had to spend time together, right? We had to communicate. We had to talk. And listen, uh, that's what we do to get to know the will of God. We spend time with God, and we learn his will through his word. And this purpose I share with you, that, that's what is the big picture, right? And so we see the purposes of God that we can pray effectively. And I would ask a question. How often are you praying into God's purposes for the world? Hear that again. How often are you praying for that person to come to know Jesus? How often are we praying for more people to be filled with the knowledge of God? Because what I have seen in my life, those are powerful prayers. I've seen a lot of people end up in prayer journals first before their names were written in heaven. I've seen a lot of names written in prayer journals before they were written in heaven. Let's pray into the purposes of God. Now, but also we can know the promises of God. Maybe some of you men, and maybe that's what God has for us today, maybe you're going through a battle. Maybe you're anxious about something going on in your home, your workplace, question marks, whatever it may be. Maybe you're walking through worry, fear, and anxiety. So as we're caught up in God's purposes, we are walking out in the middle of difficult trials very, very often. And that's why I want you to know with effective prayer, we need to know the promises of God. There are 8,810 promises in the Bible, and God's never broken one of them. So one of the reasons to read the Word is that we can begin to know what God says, and what we know what God says is true. You know, I I think about it of, uh, I've got this one committed to memory, Philippians 4. It says this, it says, To be anxious for nothing, but through prayer and petition with thanksgiving. It says basically to pray to God, and it says the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Listen, that's a promise. And that when you walk through struggle and anxiety and fear, it's not time to worry, it's time to pray. It's time to call and pray and friends to pray in the middle of our circumstances. Matthew 6 tells us a promise. He says, listen, I take care of sparrows. If I take care of sparrows, how much more will I take care of you? He says, child, don't fear. Don't worry. I have good promises for you. And then lastly, John 16, 33. It says, in this world, you'll find trouble. Anybody found that promise to be true yet? Yeah? Anybody found some trouble in this world? That's about half the promise, but listen to me. He says, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. That's a promise, right? And so as we begin to learn the promises of God, we can walk in confidence that we have what we need to do what he's called us to do in the world. And I've had to cling to that one many, many, many times. So we see the will of God. We see his purposes. We see his promises, a few of them for us. I don't have time to do 8,000 of them. But lastly, I want you to do, know God's plans for your life. God's plans. Now, this is in a coffee mug in half of your living rooms right now. I would almost guarantee it. 
This is what I call a coffee mug verse, okay? You hear it at every graduation, a lot of weddings. Jeremiah 29, 11. I want you to read this. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. So we've heard this one before many, many times, right? But let's finish 12 and 13, what God's Word says. It says in verse 12, uh, it, it goes on to say uh, that, that as we seek Him, right? And in verse 13 it says, as we seek to know Him, it says you're going to find these plants. It says, when you seek me with all your heart, you'll find me. And so what that does is that authenticates verse 11. And what I'm saying is, is a lot of times we live how we want to with our own purposes, right? Doing it our way, and we want God to bless our plans, okay? But what God says that in his will, he has great, great plans for us. But this is something I, I want you to know, Okay? God can't bless plans he's not a part of, right? God can't bless plans he's not a part of. And what he does is he had, has good intentions for you. But to understand those intentions, we have to understand what God's full-fold purpose is. And we have to do life God's way. Does that make sense? Look at me, Proverbs 16. If you can commit any to memory today, I want you to hear this. To humans belong the plans of the heart. So are plans bad? No. God gave us the opportunity to make plans for your life. And I pray they're wonderful plans. I pray you see God do incredible things in your life. It says, to humans belong the plans of the heart. But from who? But from the Lord comes the proper answer of the tongue. If you haven't learned this yet, God has the final say in our life, right? Anybody figured that out yet? That he really is true, he really is sovereign? Listen to verses 2 and 3. Verse 2 says, all a person's ways seem pure to them. Right? So, in other words, um, I would just say it like this. A lot of times we like to feel like we're right, okay? And this is where Carly could get me back. That's me, okay? Uh, I like to feel like I'm right. It says, all a person's ways seem pure to them, but the motives are weighed by the Lord. The Lord knows our heart. But verse 3, do you want blessed plans, guys? Do we want to see God as we pray about our future, as we make plans? Do we want God to breathe on our plans? Listen, commit to the Lord whatever you do. He will establish your plans. That's a promise, right? That we can live lives within the purpose of God and the promises of God, walking out God's perfect plan for our life if we put God first and you'll see God breathe on your prayers and your plans. You guys tracking with me today? So I want you to think about those things. As we begin talking about prayer, it starts with understanding the will of God. Now, I want you to pick up in 16 and 17. I'm, I'm pretty passionate about this. It says, if you see any brother or sister commit a sin uh, that, that does not lead to death, you should pray. Right? And it says, and God will give them life. I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death, and I'm not talking about, uh, I'm not saying that you should pray about that. All wrongdoing is sin. And where there is sin, uh, and there is sin that does not lead to death. So I'm going to stop right there. Um, 
what that passage is talking about, about the sin leading to death and not to death, some commentators believe that's talking about the body. Some commentators believe that's grieving the Holy Spirit, just basically grieving Jesus and, and, uh, and, and speaking, blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Um, I don't want to get into that today because I believe that detracts us from what God wants us to see in this passage. What I want you to see is that when you see someone sinning, what does it say to do? And you should pray. And God will do what? God will give them life. God will give them life. You know, this weekend I was working on a, uh, a fence from a dog, okay? And uh, there was a bunch of vines and briars. And, and, uh, and man, I was trying to get this fence ready, get it ready for uh, my, my dog, Bella's dog. This puppy's getting bigger. Um, and so it needed a place to stay. Well, uh, these vines are everywhere. And a lot of these vines had, had deep roots and these limbs that are coming up. And, and basically it was a mess, and so me, um, I'm, I'm definitely not Tom the Tool Man, Tim the Tool Man, whatever his name is, right? And, uh, and so I just had a, a set of clippers, and, and I clipped them, and I was trying to pull those roots up, and I couldn't get the roots up, and I didn't have the tools I needed, so I took a shovel, and if you could imagine, it's really embarrassing. I'm taking a shovel and swinging that sucker like an axe, just trying to chop it down, chop it down, and trying to get this thing up. And, and my neighbors, my, my neighbors who are a little elderly, they must have felt sorry for the young guy, and, uh, and she brought me an axe and, a, and like one of those, uh, like a pickaxe, right? And man, I'm telling you, I did some damage on those roots. I mean, I just worked them over and I was like, man, it's amazing when you actually have uh, the tools you have. But I say that to say a lot of times when we have people around us that are struggling in sin, what we do is we try and fix them in our own effort, right? We, we want to tell them where they're wrong or, or point out where they're missing it. And we just want to fix them, okay? And that's a lot like going to do a job without the proper tools, okay? But what does it say here? That when we see someone in our life who is struggling in sin or maybe they don't know the Lord, man, you want to see God do a great work? Start with prayer. Don't end with it. Start with prayer. Don't end with it. You know, a lot of times I think this is where the church misses it. You know, I, I talked about it last week. We live in this pseudo-religious type thing. You know what I mean? Where church is all about where good people go or you try and live a good enough life to hope you get to heaven and, and all the good people go to church. And, and, uh, and, and so it's kind of this uh, moral religious aptitude. And what we talked about last week is it's not a matter of good and bad. It's a matter of life and death, right? It's a matter of he who has the son has life. And so what we are to do as the church is not to judge people in sin. You know, a lot of times we're a threat to be very judgmental to those who are living in sin, to be very hateful to those living in sin, right? And man, it blows me away that, that we're bad about that because, see, here's the deal. If someone's not in Christ and they're living in sin, brother, they're doing what they should be doing, right? In the words of uh, a mentor of mine, he said, Buck, you don't clean a fish before you catch him, right? In the church, we're really bad about trying to clean fish before they've been caught by Jesus, amen? And so we see that what do we do? We, we pray, we pray. And so as the church, we should not be surprised about a person living in sin that does not have Christ. And so what I'm begging, what I'm asking is that we should have the eyes of Christ as we look at the world, all right? I want you to read with me one of my favorite passages uh, Matthew chapter 9. 
35 through 38. I want to give you the eyes of Jesus. People caught in sin. People that are living apart from a Savior. This is when Jesus was on earth. It says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. So Jesus is on earth doing earthly ministry. And it says, when he saw the crowds... So these are the towns. So he's healing everybody he can. And for these three years, he's combined to a physical body, just like you and me. And so he's doing all he can around them. But when he looked at the crowds, all right, these are crowds that were biting and devouring one another, cheating and stealing, lying, cursing, like like doing terrible things, murdering. What did it say? It said he had compassion on them. Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, what do I want you to do? He said, the harvest is plentiful, and the workers are, but, are, but the workers are few. Then what did he say? Ask the Lord of the harvest. Just right in there, that means pray. It says, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. What he's saying is, pray. Pray and go and make a difference. Pray and go and make a difference. Jesus had compassion. And the reason why he had compassion, and even though they were doing wrong, is because they had not found the good shepherd yet. They had not found the good shepherd yet. I want to share why this means so much to me. Um, when, when I was a college student, I, I went to Georgia Southern, and, uh, and I just did Georgia Southern life, all right? And I moved in with a guy who was uh, a Christian, the real thing. Love the Lord, all that. And I grew up in church. I thought I was a Christian. I I was not. And man, he watched me, the things I went out and did, the people I brought into our trailer. I mean, I was caught in deep junk. I was in junk, man. And, And I'll never forget. He never once judged me. He never once, you know, and I'm sure he was disappointed. But he never once belittled me. He, he, never once, uh, he, he never once made me feel lesser than. He just loved me and he lived it out. He loved me and he lived it out. And then my senior year, he went on a 21-day fast and prayer, right? He went on 21 days of fasting and praying. And I didn't know this until the next semester over. You want to know one of the people he was fasting and praying for? He was fasting and praying for me. And I came to Jesus that very next semester. And I just don't know if, he'd have, if he would have made me feel shameful. I don't know if I'd have ever come to the faith, just to be honest. But what he started is prayer. The second thing I want you to take with you today, prayer changes people. God uses prayer to change people. God uses prayer to change people. The other, the other thing I thought about today of, of, you know, that's how I came to faith in Jesus. And man, I, I'm a work, work in progress, have been a work in progress. But the, the second time I really saw the fact that prayer changed people. Um, and, and many of you have been attending our church, you've heard this a lot. Uh, I had an uncle that lived a very sinful life. You ever got that guy in your life that you're like, yeah, that cat's too far gone, right? A prayer for him be a, a waste of a breath. Well, that person in my life was my uncle. But man, I I began to pray for him. A mentor of mine, Ronnie Smith, began to pray for him. And y'all, I'm telling you, 
on a Saturday night at a revival service, I saw my uncle give his life to Jesus. And eight days later, he lost his life. And I remember talking with Ronnie at the, the funeral, and, and we were just discussing it. He said, Buck, no, you don't understand. He said, I spent many nights up praying, weeping for his soul. And I'm telling you, if that event hadn't happened in my life, I wouldn't be here preaching to you today. The, the, all the way back, do you see how prayer was the catalyst that people talk about these great movements, these great things God does? I believe the great thing that started all these were men and women that were praying. And I trace it back, and I was thinking about this as I was studying for the sermon of, man, do, do you see how uh, prayer is really laced in all these events of people that just have a heart to see God change lives around them? So I want to ask you a question. Do you want to see change in your family? Do you want to see change in your community? Do, do we want to see change in our country? Do we want to see change in the world? Listen to me, and if you, if you tune me out the rest of the day, listen. Let's get to praying, all right? Prayer changes lives. Prayer changes people. And we see it here. That that's the first place we go, not the last resort. And then lastly, I want to I finish with verse 18. I want you guys to read this with me. And it says, We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. And the one who was born of God keeps them safe, and the evil one cannot harm them. So you remember we talked about this in this, this series of, of it's not whether we have sin or not. It's a picture of the Christian does not continue in habitual over and over again sin. That goes back to God's plans and our plans, right? That, that we want to align our plans to his plans. And it says that, um, that, that we cannot be harmed because of the one that we've been born of. That's Jesus in us. How good is it to know that if Christ is in us, nothing will be able to stand against us, right? And we see that we know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. We, all, we know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true. By being in his son, Jesus Christ, he is the true God and eternal life. So, so the question becomes, if we're in Christ and the whole world is wrapped up in the evil one, if we are, if we are not at home here in the earth, what do we do? How do we function in a world that, that is captivated by evil, in a world that, that does not live the ways of God? How do we make a difference? What do we do? How do we operate in this world? Take this with you. Prayer sparks revival and kingdom growth. Prayer sparks revival. Do you guys feel like where we live and, and the world is in the place we want it to be, right? No. But we see that prayer does this. This is how we make a difference in a world that's captivated by the evil one. I read a quote. It says, in the movements of the Spirit, the first thing that happens, and which eventually leads to a great revival, is that one man or a group of men suddenly begin to feel this burden. And they feel the burden so much that they are led to do something about it. And he says, and in this article, he said, I'm, I'm praying and believing that this generation will join this spiritual movement to pray for the next great awakening so that the Great Commission will escalate to its rightful priority 
and accelerate to its completion in our generation. Basically what it's saying is this, is that every great move of God, the first great awakening, Charles Finney, all those guys, you know what happened? People were hungering for God in prayer. They were praying and seeking God. Just simply people that were burdened to pray. Right? They wanted to see great change. They prayed and God moved. Second great awakening in our country, same thing. People wanted to see change. They sought the Lord in prayer and they, went and they set out to do something about it and God moved. The Azusa Street Revival on the West Coast, a group of people hungering in prayer, seeking God's face. God responded and he moved in power. And then lastly, the Jesus movement, uh, all of Billy Graham and, and all of that in the 90s. You know what it was preceded by? A group of people that sought God in prayer, asked for God to move and change their situation, change things around them, and God responded and he moved. Church, I want you to know that this can happen with us. This is possible for us. And I, I want you to know that. But know that kingdom impact, making a difference, seeing these stories that we talked about. Our children come into faith in Jesus. This young lady we're going to baptize today. right? These stories of, of, of people being rescued from death to life. And as he put it, my darkness became light. These stories of connect groups getting planted and people coming in and experiencing true authentic fellowship and finding a church. All this can happen in our day and time and it can continue to happen. Kingdom impact can happen in our day. But listen, it doesn't start with your efforts, it starts with your surrender. It starts with your surrender to say, God, I want to see it and Lord, I'm begging you to do something that I cannot do. Those are the right tools to see God move in your life, to see him move in our community, to see him move in our day and time. The right tools are not your efforts, it's God's power. It's God's power pours out on those who ask. And we'll see God do exceedingly and abundantly all and more than we could ever ask or imagine. And so every spiritual movement, this is what it looks like. You even see it in the Bible you see it in the story of Nehemiah. You see it in the story of Jesus. You see it in the story of the church. It starts out with a burden. It starts out with a burden. God, I just want to do something about it. I want to see, man, I, I remember that feeling of, God, I don't know what I'm called to. I didn't even know I was going to be a preacher. But, God, this life change, I want to see it happen. It starts with a burden. I just want to see something different. God, if you're the real thing, I want you to move. Spiritual movement starts with a burden. Then it moves into prayer. Then it moves into prayer. God, would you come? Would you do what only you can do? I can remember, look around now. We got folks, man, I'm sorry. Those that got to stand up back there, I love y'all. I apologize, right? We're doing what we can. Look at this room filled up. You know what this church was? It was in a household basement, about 15 people. And it just, just came to my memory. And we all got on our knees and prayed for this community. We prayed for the people we hadn't met yet. We prayed for the gospel to do great thing in this community. And we sought the Lord in prayer. We sought his face. And, and church, look around. This isn't a great gift, great worship. This is a great God who we ask to come and move. Yeah, I mean. And I mean, really, when you strip the bells and whistles back, look. You're here to meet with Jesus, Amen. Amen. We see there's burden, there's prayer, and this is where we come involved. There's a resolve to do something about it. 
us to take our next step. If you're not right with the Lord, we get right with the Lord, be baptized publicly. If it's, if it's to join a connect group, to join the church, we get involved. And then from here, it's to begin to pray and to tell others about this Savior you found. It doesn't happen all in a moment. It happens one life at a time, one faithful next step as a time at a time. And this is the great story we're all caught up in. And man, you are, in, you are significant in this story. You, you are a part of that. God called you by name. He, he knew you in your mother's womb. He, he has a plan for your life. He has a part for you to play in this great story. This story is not played by, played by, played by super Christians with super gifts. It's played by everyday ordinary people who put their yes on the table. That's who has a part to play in this story. And I want to tell you today, I believe these three truths are going to be powerful for your life. And so as I look over this message, I want to ask you the question, number one, man, are you praying in the will of God? Maybe today you're understanding the will of God for the first time, that the will of God is to see his earth filled with his glory, to see that we have a part to play in that, to see that he has great promises that you can have confidence in and walk in. Maybe for some, you're talking about the plans for your life, and man, it's like, God, I want to align my plans with, with your plans. I want you to do that. For some, maybe you're hearing it today that prayer changes people. Man, before you got here, we pray that God would bring about great change in your life because he's good. And lastly, we see that every great move of God, revival and kingdom growth happens through prayer. But I want to finish talking about King Jesus and the cost Verse 14, it says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. There was a great cost that we could come to God in prayer. There was a great cost involved. You see what it cost God? It cost him everything. See what this season is about is that God chose to give us access to him in prayer by sending his son out of heaven, out of glory, out of perfection to come and take on the form of a baby. That's what this Christmas season is all about and that the cost that we could come to God in prayer, that we could come and have relationship with God, that when you pray, you can know his purposes, promises, and his power. The cost that it was, was his one and only son. And what he did with his son is he took the sin you and I have done and I think we would all agree we've done things we aren't proud of. Heck, some of you might have done something you're not proud of on the way over here, right? And what he did with the punishment due, all the mistakes we had. Because, see, because of those mistakes, we deserve to be separated from God with all, from all eternity. Separated from heaven. But what God did with all those mistakes and all the punishment due to them, that baby grew up to be a man, a perfect sacrifice, and God poured it all out on his son. He poured every bit out on his son so that if we'd repent of our sins, say yes to him, we would have that relationship with God. That relationship that we can pray and know he hears us. That relationship where no matter how bad your life's going, know he's got a plan. That kind of life that we know that we're not here uh, by accident, but we're here on purpose for a purpose, that we can live with joy, passion, and fulfillment because we know our God, we know what he's done, we've received what he's done, and we're saying yes to walk our life out within the plans God has for us. That's what we have in our Savior, King Jesus. And so today, one of two things, man, if you know him, that's good news to remember to worship him, amen? If you don't know him, we're the kind of church, we go crazy when people come to know him. And if God's working on your heart, you wanna come to know him, 
I'm just going to give you that invitation, and all you got to do is just raise your hand as an extension of faith. Stop by the Next Steps table after service, and we just want to follow up with you. But what we're going to do in the service, we're going to celebrate with you because we've all been there. No need to feel ashamed or judged. Listen, I remember the day. And praise God for Billy Shiver who fasted and prayed for my soul that I could come into the kingdom of God. Amen. And thank you for King Jesus who is sufficient to save. Let's pray. Father, I, I love you, God. As I've shared what I feel like you want me to say, God, I pray we would all do what you've called us to do. And God, I pray for maybe some, I know there's a lot of people here. For some that's here, maybe you just happened up in this place, maybe you got invited, but you know that, man, that good news of the gospel, you're like, man, I've never received it. My life has been nothing to do with God. It's been all about me. But today, I don't want to live in my sin anymore. I want a relationship with Jesus. I want to be saved, and I want to have that confidence that I can come into the presence of God. I believe that someone here today. And if that's you, I'm just going to ask you as an extension of faith, would you just lift your hand and say, but that's me today. I want to come to know Jesus, and I want him to be Lord and Savior of my life. Is that anyone in the house today that would say yes to the Lord? I'll give you guys just a moment. Yes, and for the rest of us, Lord, I, I do pray, man. I pray as we get ready to respond in prayer, Lord, that we would let those words sink deep. God, so much we see is on the exterior. What happens in the physical, but God, so much of what you're doing, I believe it's through praying people, Lord. But we'll make, may we remember what we learned today. God, how to pray, what to pray, and the power of prayer. God, I thank you for the people you've, You've saved this year. God, I thank you for Colby and what we get to celebrate today. God, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. As I look at this room and I see it full, God, I thank you. It's just an answer prayer. It's just an answer prayer. And so, God, I pray for our community, God. We say it all the time, Lord. I, I really believe the best is yet to come. And, God, I pray for all of us. May we sense a picture of your vision for our community, God. Revival, real revival. And God, I thank you for all that came to faith in Jesus this year. But God, as we approach this season, God, we continue to pray for our loved ones and those we are close to, God, to come to know you. And lastly, Jesus, I just want to give you praise. Thank you for a glorious gospel. Thank you that you came in the form of a baby. And God, as we get ready the next two weeks to celebrate this Christmas season, Jesus, thank you that you came. On our behalf. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. We pray that this message stirred your affections for Jesus. We would love for you to subscribe to the podcast and share it with others. For more information about our church and other resources, please visit ConnectionDublin.com.